Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique best self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Nicole Spencer. Nicole is a former fitness studio owner turned small business coach who helps entrepreneurs around the world to grow profitable businesses through magnetic client attraction and abundant conversion. Nicole also has a second business where she educates people about cryptocurrency to turn three figures into six figures as safely as possible. She sees the positive global humanitarian impact of cryptocurrency. Welcome to the podcast, Nicole. I'm delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell us about your businesses because you uh, were just sharing with me that you actually have two kind of quite separate businesses going and I, I only knew you through one. So tell mm-hmm. us a bit about what you do and why you why those businesses in particular. Yeah, so I'll start with what's probably a little bit off topic for this interview topic. Um, so my my primary business is doing business coaching and consulting uh, with a focus on authentic marketing, specifically for small service based businesses. And I I tend to focus mostly on fitness professionals. So either people who own studios or small gyms, personal trainers, people wanting to break into the online coaching space. Um, so I work with coaches primarily in that capacity, um, got there. I had my own, my own gym for a while. I sold that three years ago and for the past four years have been doing that business coaching and consulting work. Um, and now I just get to focus in on what I love and what I'm best at, which is helping people become better connectors again through that authentic marketing. So I have a couple of different programs that I do work with coaching clients through. So that's kind of the first one. Um, and then the second one is my business, which is how you and I met. Uh, it's called Asheville Crypto Consulting. And essentially what I do is I educate people on what cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are and the impact that they are going to have in the world and the way that they're going to change our world. And in terms of helping people get involved from a financial standpoint, I have some directions that I point people in as well, because it's very easy to lose lots of money in this space and to get very lost in the space. So um, so I want to help because I actually, <laughs> I actually sustained a pretty big loss when I f- first got into the space as well. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my goal with each of those businesses. Mm-hmm. So what made you choose those two areas? Cause they're so different. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, you know, under it all, it's kind of serving the same purpose. So, you know, what I believe my purpose is, is is helping people connect. So helping people connect with other people, helping people connect with the world in a new way, um, helping people connect, you know, with, with me and really grow their businesses through that on the business coaching side of things. And what I believe is going to happen in the cryptocurrency space is that things like Bitcoin are going to make our world smaller 
and connect uh, us here in the first world to people all over the world who have never had opportunities before. So it sounds like they're very different and to a large extent they are, but to me, there's a very common thread on human connection underneath all of it. Mm, That's great. Yeah, Yeah. I was so intrigued to hear that perspective on cryptocurrency when you and I, uh, I saw you speak and you talked about kind of bypassing the middleman, middleman mm-hmm. being banks and and credit card companies and being able to just trade with each other directly. Mm-hmm. And I, I never thought of that in that context of connection. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes a lot of sense when you consider that it, it's essentially, it's a digital currency and it's a payment system that lives on the internet. It's the first currency and payment system we've ever seen. So Uh, You know, if you want to pay U.S. dollars to somebody, you need PayPal or Visa as your payment system. Well, you don't need both of those things with Bitcoin, which is really neat. And if you look at, you know, the way the Internet has affected every other platform in the world, essentially the way we consume media and entertainment, the way we communicate with each other, um, you know, big companies are going out of business because of Amazon and convenience. So the Internet has essentially, you know, eliminated such a thing as long distance calling, you know, letters in the mail, um, you know, it, the internet has changed everything. And it only makes sense now that the internet changes and alters uh, the future with money. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think it could be really radical in terms of how people choose to interact with each other. But um, how does that I mean, how there's that issue of trust. I mean, one of the elements of connection is mm-hmm. building trust and connecting each other in that way. What's the, I think some people perceive cryptocurrency as uh, being, uh, yeah, and kind of a, not shady, that's probably too extreme, but just a, a bit uncertain in terms of whether to trust it or not. Yeah, so you can think of, So I'll speak specifically on Bitcoin because there are over 1,600 cryptocurrencies, and I certainly don't know everything about all of them. Um, I know a good amount about the ones that I like and that I'm personally invested in, but I'm going to speak specifically on Bitcoin since it is the original cryptocurrency. And the reason that Bitcoin was created in the first place is as an inherent platform of trust where two parties can transact directly with each other without having to know each other and trust that the transactions and payments are valid and going through. And that trust is not based on a central party validating the transaction. It's based on a distributed network of computers and people that all agree that the transaction is valid. So inherently, Bitcoin is actually far more trustworthy than even using something like Visa, not only in terms of can you guarantee the validity of the transaction, there's zero ability to double spend a transaction. But there's also things like no ability to do chargebacks, which is a huge problem for merchants. Mm -hmm. Money comes uh, to you faster with Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, it was it was essentially meant to solve the problem of what happened during the global financial crisis of 2008, where people found out very quickly that they were not in control of their own money and their own assets and that whatever you deposit into a bank belongs to them. And Bitcoin is a way for the very first time in human history to a large extent to own and control your own assets without Mm -hmm. anybody else having any say over what happens. Payments can't be 
intercepted. They can't be stopped. They can't be censored. Um, so it is the strongest platform of trust that we actually know. Hmm. Well, it's, it's so interesting. I've done some work with entrepreneurs in Africa, and I know that the infrastructure there is very mobile phone based. And mm -hmm. People in rural areas in particular don't have access to, uh, you know, the conventional sort of banks. And because, mm -hmm. because they're often dealing with small amounts of money, it's difficult to even develop a relationship with a bank or a credit card company. So I can see it being revolutionary in that kind of setting. How do you see it as being valuable and, and helping to connect people in a, in a first world kind of scenario? So right now, with the way the world is set up, we have banks and PayPal and Visa and those types of things. And we may not like the way that they, you know, hit us with fees. We may not like the, the fact that banks basically make money off our money while we make nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so here in, you know, the United States and many first world countries, it's hard to understand why this is an important technology. But if you can step outside of yourself and using your example of Africa, right? So I always kind of think of the world as this pyramid, you know, and so at the top of the pyramid are fortunate people like you and me in first world countries and at the bottom of the pyramid, and it's been this way for thousands and thousands of years, are people who have no access to anything. Essentially, they're, um, they have no access to banking, they have no access to credit. And I think it's something like 33% of the credit card transactions that come out of Africa are fraudulent. So hmm. what those scenarios have done, so inability to use credit cards and have credit and have banking, um, what that has done for, it's about 6 billion people on the planet who don't have access to finance. Uh, financial institutions and things like that, the way that we do. So it's most of the world. What that has done is it's kept them very repressed. There is no way to interact in a global economy. And, you know, there are about 2 billion people who do have access to, you know, banking and, and that type of thing of those 6 billion, but their governments and their banks steal from them. And that didn't just happen in countries like um, Zimbabwe, where there is actual theft or just theft through, you know, essentially hyperinflation. It happened in places like Greece and Cyprus, where the banks bailed themselves mm -hmm. in and confiscated everyone's deposits. Right. And people went from wealthy to broke overnight. And so it happens everywhere. And literally all you need to not only have a bank account, but a full, a fully operating bank for a tiny village in Africa that has one solar panel on one hut that operates the one cell phone of the village is a cell phone with essentially text message, some smartphone capabilities. That is all you need to have a bank in that village now. Wow. And it changes everything for the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about how it works, because I, I at least have heard a lot about investing with Bitcoin, but not as much about the transactional part. So I, I see them as um, I, I mean, I guess you have to invest, quote unquote, you have to buy bitcoins in order to, mm -hmm. to conduct transactions. How, how does it, you know, just give us a quick overview on how it all works. 
Yeah, so so it's a little bit more complicated when you live in places that don't have centralized exchanges. What most people do now is they'll go into a centralized exchange platform. Um, Coinbase is the biggest one in the U.S., Canada, and many other countries. And they will tra- essentially trade their U.S. dollars for um, – you can buy – currently four different cryptocurrencies on Coinbase. And yeah, then you have, you know, you have it sitting essentially in your, in your wallet. Um, you know, the, the biggest challenge I think people face is securing their Bitcoin. That's a different topic. So essentially you buy it, it sits in your wallet and then you can start transacting immediately. So the only thing you need to do to to make a Bitcoin transaction is have the receiving party agree that they want to be paid in Bitcoin. And it literally happens in a matter of seconds for very, very low cost compared to um, normal credit card transaction fees, Mm -hmm. uh, bank, you know, wires and those types of things that take a very long time. It is extremely easy. It's um, so I've demonstrated this for people before you literally open up your wallet Somebody else opens up their wallet with their QR code. You tell it how much cryptocurrency you want to send. You scan the QR code and it's there. It's mm. pretty incredible. Instantaneous. Yeah. It's, you know, and it, it's, it's different at different times. Bitcoin has only been around since January of 2009. So sometimes the networks have this ebb and flow. So at most it will take 10 minutes to mm. arrive in okay. your account. Mm. Yeah. And the value of Bitcoins fluctuates. So how does mm-hmm. that all work in terms of, of transactions? So it, it fluctuates for now. Uh, we are going to reach a, a place of stability. And the fluctuation is actually what allows people to profit in the space right now. Right. So if you are looking to make money, the volatility is actually quite a good thing. Um, but in terms of store of value, that's where a big question comes up. How can it be a store of value with you know, so much volatility? Well, right. it's you know we're a few years into a very complex and very exciting new technology. And the reality is that less than 2% of the world currently owns or does anything with any type of cryptocurrency, even though awareness is spreading very quickly. And so, um, you know, you, you have to be, I think at this point, smart about how you spend your Bitcoin, right? You know, you have to follow whether you're trading cryptocurrency or not, you have to follow basic, you know, principles where you don't sell at a loss, (laughs) essentially. Um, And there are people in communities that live 100% off of things like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies already. So it's happening. And there are hundreds of thousands of companies from, from you know, small car repair shops to um, Amazon overstock and, and huge companies that accept Bitcoin or many other cryptocurrencies. And if they don't, it's actually so easy to shift your money in and out from crypto to a fiat currency like US dollars that it's just it's very very easy and i think that ease is going to evolve in terms of how you can spend a lot over the next like 2 to 5 years well you mentioned at the very beginning that you uh, had the experience of losing Mm-hmm. quite a bit of money in in cryptocurrency can mm-hmm. can you tell us a bit about that so we we know what to pitfalls to avoid so, yeah this was a very expensive um mistake so you know i didn't know that much about 
Bitcoin when I got into the space. And essentially, it wasn't a loss because of Bitcoin. It was a loss because um, a particular company I invested through collapsed. And it was actually kind of the biggest Ponzi scheme in ever that happened in cryptocurrency oh, space. Wow. So there were about 5 million people um, who were invested through this company. And so but it was it was at a time where you know, I was a lot less educated and there was a lot more gray area with everything. It wasn't that long ago, but, um, since then, and I'm actually grateful for the experience, of course, no one wants to lose money, but what it did was it made me realize that Bitcoin is not an investment opportunity. Can you make money? Yes. Uh, do you have to be very smart and know what to look for? Yes. Have I found those things? Yes. I feel that I have, but if you look at cryptocurrency as an investment opportunity, you're entire, you're entirely missing the point of what this does and how it changes the world because it's nice. It's nice to be in a position where you can invest and make money and you can buy Bitcoin at 6,000 and then it goes to 10,000 or 12,000 and you double your money. It's nice for us, sure. but it's essential for the other 6 billion people on the planet who don't have this ability. Mm-hmm. Well, what what impact do you feel that you're having with your, I mean, let's start with your crypto consulting business. What mm-hmm. what What is it that you do in that business? Do you advise people on the investment end or in setting up chain, like chains mm-hmm. of, of transactions? How does, how does that work? So the the first reason that I feel very strongly about being involved in the space is, is simply as an educator, because most people have no idea what this is, why it's important, and they listen to, you know, the news who also doesn't know what it is. And, you know, right. they hear things like, you know, it's, it's, it's the same stuff people said about the internet in the early nineties, essentially it's used by terrorists and criminals and gamblers and pornographers and all of that stuff. You know, the same stuff people have been using, using cash for, for years. And in the beginning, there was a lot of that going on and I'm sure there still is no more than is happening with government issued cash currencies though. Um, so it had kind of a bad reputation. So number one, I wanted to help people understand what this is and why it's important because I believe that the more I educate people and the more I show them the other side of this and how powerful it is and how it frees us from banks, uh, you know, these antiquated institutions that really control our lives, even you and me in ways that we don't think about or even notice. Um, until it, until it's too late, essentially, I feel the more I educate people about that, the more people become part of this and the more the community grows, the more this is brought into the world. And the more we, you know, even as U S citizens take back control over what's ours, but the more we also kind of free the rest of the world from this, this hierarchical structure that we've always had. So for me, education is a hundred percent first. The second thing is, um, with the education side of it is, you know, people approach me all the time about different investment opportunities and ICOs. And I, I know now, especially after my experience and learning so much through that process, that 99% of it is going to make you lose your money. (laughs) Like that's just the reality of it. Yeah. That's definitely not in alignment with the hype around it. No, no, not at (laughs) all. And so you really have to know where to go with it. And you have to also understand that this is not a get rich quick scheme. Did it happen that way for some people? 
a hundred percent. It did because they got in, you know, in the very early days. Can you still get rich off of crypto? Yes, you absolutely can, but you have to go about it in the most safe routes, I believe. So I help people do everything from literally set up their wallets and buy their first $10 of Bitcoin. Um, that's kind of one thing and help them experience what a Bitcoin transaction is like for the first time. So I'll help people set up wallets and then I'll, I'll send them a dollar in Bitcoin and they can just see how easy it is. Um, and then I do direct people toward <clears throat> one of two other avenues, um, depending on how active or passive they'd like to be in their investment. So one is in trading. So you can actually think about like day trading stocks, essentially. Mm -hmm. There are many, many people doing um, day trading and swing trading in the cryptocurrency space, um, which I, I do as well. Um, so I direct people to a platform that is an educational platform that teaches you essentially how to trade, uh, which is pretty cool. And then the other side of things is I help people get into mining. So I currently mine Bitcoin and Ethereum, and you can mine um, other cryptocurrencies as well. They are not all mineable. But essentially what mining is, is it's the process of transaction verification. And I don't have a computer rig set up in my home. I'm actually invested through a large pool of people around the world. And we own um, hundreds of millions of dollars of mining equipment. So essentially, we get fees from the Bitcoin network as we verify these transactions. And you grow your Bitcoin over time that way. Hmm. It's a pretty complicated process, but that's kind of what it is at a high level. And that's what I'm really most excited about. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm so intrigued because you clearly, you know, a lot about this area and there are a lot of technical elements and yet your other business is not as, I mean, you do work with people in online marketing, but it's not as certainly not in the finance realm and it's, it's not as computer intense uh, mm -hmm. in some ways. So uh, how do you, how do you deal with balancing those two very different things because they the even the way you think about them is is different in my experience or have you found a way to to kind of authentically be present to both in a way that takes in all of who you are and what you do well you know it's it's fairly easy if you if you put in the hours it takes to educate yourself and understand the cryptocurrency space, it's fairly easy to become, I'm using air quotes, but the expert of all the people like on your Facebook feed or that know you, <laughs> right. because most people really just have no idea what it is. Right. Um, so, so, you know, I do have expertise in this area. I would say by comparison to, you know, most other people in my circle, and in terms of the business coaching and consulting, I have the experience of owning multiple businesses, of selling a business, of coaching over 200 other business owners to grow their businesses or start their businesses or sell their businesses. And so, you know, I, I do have a level of expertise there. And I think, you know, it is the authenticity piece. It's the way that I um, speak about things. It's my own unique approach. And in terms of the business coaching, I have the, you know, I have the numbers to back it up. So in terms of, you know, how my own businesses have performed and that kind of thing. So yeah, I think it's just about sharing the information that I have in a very passionate and purpose driven way uh, that really draws people into it. And with you know, with the marketing piece, business owners know they need marketing. So it is something people seek out with cryptocurrency 
what I've learned is that I educate, I put the information out into the world, whether I'm doing a Facebook live or I'm speaking, you know, in a situation like where we met or I'm talking about it in a networking group, but I don't try to convince people that it's something that they should do. I'm not trying to sell them on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I make money of course, when people say yes to getting involved, but Um, I, this is too big of a thing and it's too important for me to spend time trying to convince people that this is our future. So people will either hear my message, they'll resonate with it. They'll like what they hear and they'll do what it takes to further educate themselves and get the information they need, or they will, um, pass judgment or say, I'll do it later or just kind of, you know, turn their nose up at it. And Mm -hmm. I'm, and and anything people want to do is fine, honestly. Um, but I am here to, to support this movement and anybody who wants to be part of it. Hmm. Well, and it's kind of in an, still in an early adoption stage Mm -hmm. for most people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not everybody's going to be an early adopter. So it's, um, yeah, but I, I mean, I think if you've worked globally at all, and especially, outside of the first world, it, it, at least it struck me very strongly as, wow, what an opportunity mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs and any market around the world. And, um, uh, and what an exciting way of building connection and also allowing people to develop their, their work and, and spread the word about what they're doing in a, in a way that they haven't been able to have access to before. So I found it a very exciting opportunity. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And, you know, it goes, it goes beyond just, you know, thinking of a cryptocurrency, this digital cash, you know, because one thing to kind of note is that different cryptocurrencies serve different utility purposes. So, you know, the purpose of Bitcoin is trust between two untrusting parties, removing the need for third-party intermediaries, and it's a store of value. That is the purpose of Bitcoin versus something like Ethereum, which is the second largest cryptocurrency, and the premise of Ethereum is smart contracts. So it is a it's a currency, but it also allows us to literally, without getting too technical, literally write contracts on the Ethereum network that, again, can't be altered, can't be forged. They are just there. And the application for that is tremendous in everything from how we transact in real estate to, um, you know, I have a a friend in Texas who's working on some um, Ethereum-based blockchain projects, and he's... um, you know, one of his arguments for it is he's had to do some damage assessments after the hurricane in Houston. So storing contracts on something like an Ethereum blockchain versus computers, physical papers, things like that. Mm -hmm. But he also is in support of the, um, he works for the oil and gas industry in Texas. And there are a lot of disputes about, well, we received the, or we didn't receive this oil and somebody else says, yes, we did. Well, it dissolves that type of thing. And Mm -hmm. even companies like, um, you know, in, ter- in terms of blockchain, companies like um, Walmart are already tracking, you know, uh, processing and shipments of, of meat for freshness on a blockchain platform. You know, I'm not sure if it's Ethereum, but um, the, the, the use cases for this are so far beyond just store of value. If you really start to kind of peel back the layers, it's a very, very fascinating space with a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. Well, sh- uh, share with people what bit- what blockchain is, just for those who aren't aware. 
Yeah. So one of the things that is really interesting in the space is that, you know, you're going to find a lot of people who are very resistant to the idea of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, but they're going to say, you know, I'm very interested in blockchain. So you'll hear that a lot. And what one of my favorite, he is my favorite person who has contributed so much to the cryptocurrency space. His name is Andreas Antonopoulos. And I have listened to everything he's ever said. What he says is when you say, I, I'm interested in blockchain, but not Bitcoin, is what you're saying is, I don't understand. Because the first blockchain that was ever created was the Bitcoin network blockchain. And all a blockchain is, essentially, is it's a digital ledger, right? So it's a database. Mm-hmm. It's not a very interesting concept by itself. Um, and and banks and large organizations want to use the word blockchain because, number one, it's a very good marketing term right now. Um, but all they're doing is creating a new type of database. The thing that makes uh, a blockchain, a true blockchain like the Bitcoin network, very unique is that it's distributed. So it's not housed by a central a central party. So if a bank has a blockchain, it's the same thing as a database. The bank still controls what's going on there. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Bitcoin blockchain is distributed across tens of thousands of computers all over the world. So there is no central point of control, which means it can't be hacked or altered or shut down, um, seized or anything like that. That's what makes a a blockchain, which again is essentially a database of, um, transactional records in this case, that's what makes it unique. Mm. Um, And very few blockchains have that unique characteristic. So essentially, they're just databases that people are referring to as blockchains. Okay. So uh, one of the things that I I often talk with people about on this podcast is that um, the things that really drive the impact that we have with our businesses I believe are the things that we hold as most important. So our values and whether people are conscious of them or not, I think that is what's behind so many, uh, well, all of our choices really. And so I'm really interested to hear you talk about what is it that you hold as most important in your values that, that you see as integral to the businesses that you've had and that you have now. Yeah. So again, it goes, it goes, it comes down to the connection piece, right? And really helping people to, I want to say almost like live at their highest level, whether that means growing, you know, a business or leaving a job that you hate, or it means something as significant as giving people in the third world an opportunity to protect themselves from destroyed government currencies and corrupt banking institutions and governments that are run like mafias, essentially. So for me, all of that is very much connected. And um, I probably didn't mention this during my presentation when we met, but I actually have a master's degree in Holocaust and genocide studies. That Mm. is literally a full year two master's of arts, two year master's of arts degree. And, um, (laughs) and so, you know, so I have this kind of again, this deep desire for, uh, to build that connection, um, and support of things like human rights and and that kind of thing as well. And, um, you know, and if you, the more you learn, right. So I wouldn't have known this otherwise, but the more you learn about, um, how, you know, how 
banks operate. You know, most people don't realize the Federal Reserve is a private banking institution. It's Mm -hmm. not a government entity. And so the more you start to learn about how these systems have been set up, the more you start to see that this is wrong. And it's something that we don't need anymore because of the technology of, of the internet. And so that's what's very exciting to me. Um, and to see people, again, the other 6 billion have their lives changed and they can have property rights, they can store value, they can have unhackable elections and all of these things because of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. It's individual rights, it's human rights, and it's not. It's no longer allowing these third parties, um, everything from banks to Western Union, to steal money from the poorest people on earth. And if you can give that money which is hundreds of millions of dollars a year that people pay in fees to companies like this when they're doing remissions, basically coming to first world countries, sending money back home to third world countries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're paying an average, but when you add everything up of about 30% in fees. Wow. And when you put billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars back into the hands of the poorest people on earth, it changes the world because of what they will be able to do with it. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, I know that was kind of a long winding answer, but <laughs> that's yeah, okay. that's what gets me excited. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Well, you devoted a lot of time and energy to it clearly, and you speak very articulately about it as well. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I, this is a little bit of a change in direction, but I'm, I, it's a great link with um, the work that you do with fitness coaches and your own owning of a gym of, in terms of having the impact that you want to have, how do you support yourself in that in terms of your own self-care, whatever form that takes physically or spiritually or mentally? What kinds of things mm-hmm. do you think are most important for for you to maintain that level of impact that you want to have? Yeah. So a couple of things. First and foremost, I always have a coach or a mentor, um, always, and that will never change. So, you know, I, I usually work with, I've had a life coach. I usually work with business coaches, but I have worked in the past year, particularly with people who are not only very savvy business coaches, but they are also, um, kind of these intuitive people that bring, um, you know, the spiritual into, I'm not talking about religious, but the spiritual Mm -hmm. realm into the business realm. And it's just totally expanded my mind. So, but having a mentor is, is number one for me. Um, the second thing is constantly learning. So, um, you know, one of my absolute favorite things to do is walk my dogs and we just walk all over town or in the mountains or whatever and listen to podcasts or audiobooks or things on YouTube. Um, so I'm constantly feeding myself valuable information that then I can teach other people I can write about. Um, and I really start to absorb it that way. Mm -hmm. So that would be the next thing for me. Um, yeah. And then the third thing is I, I still love exercising. So I go to the gym usually an average of like five times a week and lift weights. And, you know, I feel awesome about, about that. So those are kind of the personal things. <laughs> you're like you're like the gym owner's holy grail. You you actually come to the you actually go to the gym five times a week. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine life any other way. Although most of the time I I don't actually want to go, which is a fun secret of super fit people is that most of us like actually don't want to go work out ever. <laughs> so then that's in that you share that with most people, I think. So yeah. yeah. So what is it that? What is it that takes you there then? Because I think 
very few people are super motivated to go to yeah. the gym all the time. So what is it that, that drives you to go? Well, it's, it's habit, right? First and foremost. Um, you know, I've been consistent. I've always been active on some level. You know, I was a dancer. I was into yoga um, in terms of lifting weights and being like, a, I, I don't even think I'm still a gym person, but being consistent in that way, it's been over a decade for me. So, you know, it, it kind of almost comes naturally at this point. But mm. also, I mean, I don't look at it any differently as like brushing and flossing my teeth and showering. Like, I'm not going to skip doing those things. Why would I skip going <laughs> to the gym? It's kind yeah. of how I look at it. Plus, I like the results and um, I love how I feel when I'm finished. That's my favorite part of the workout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> well, uh, the way that I, I always uh, wrap up these interviews is with uh, a series of three questions, the rapid round. So if you're, if you're ready, we can. Yeah, uh, I'm ready. All right. So the first one is what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? The biggest thing I have learned about having impact is that you have to be your authentic self. So, and what, what I mean by that is not only do you have to be authentic, which is a very rare quality, you know, it's a big, it's kind of a hot word right now, but just being you and the you that you would be, you know, when nobody is looking, um, you know, that, that to me is so huge. And combining that with, um, standing, actually speaking your truth, right? So putting it out into the world and, and making it visible. So it's great to be authentic, but not if nobody knows about it, you're not going to have a lot of impact that way. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, combining that authenticity with the visibility piece and yeah, owning what you believe in and speaking your truth frequently and publicly and being unapologetic about it. I like that you are so specific about including that visibility element, because I think people, I mean, of course, it makes absolute sense. But yet, I think people kind of get stuck in the, yes, I'm speaking my truth, but I really don't want anybody to know about it because it's scary. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) people don't necessarily talk about it in those terms. But I think that's often what holds people back from having impact is the visibility piece is missing. Oh, totally. I agree with that. Yeah. So question two, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Um, Again, I think it would be constant personal growth. So, you know, and to me that comes down to mentorship and constant learning. So having that mentor and then, you know, being being really conscious of how I spend my time. So I'm a music lover. I've been to hundreds of concerts, but I do spend most of my time now, aside from when I'm working out, you know, really feeding my mind stuff that fires me up and gets me really motivated. And it's not always like, you know, a pep talk or motivational speaker or anything. It's, you know, learning about cryptocurrency. It's learning about time management or, um, about how to better use Instagram for your marketing. I mean, it's anything that is fueling my desire, which is to have a huge impact on the world and be well compensated for it. So Mm. that's how I spend most of my time. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So third and last question in the rapid round, what's your, what's one insight or piece of advice that you'd share with another entrepreneur is thinking or saying, I want to have impact. How do, what do I do in order to do that? Get a mentor first. (laughs) 
that's always that's always I love this message as a as a professional mentor I I love that you're really talking about the benefits of that and why it's so important so Yeah, yeah yeah and yeah and create visibility for yourself so you know most of what I coach people on in terms of authentic marketing is getting really clear on who they're serving and how they're helping and how to create that messaging that really resonates on you know a heart centered level with their, I call it your soulmate client with their soulmate client, the person that they are put on this earth to serve and transform. And a lot of this is simply helping them create that message and then make it more visible and then get consistent in that visibility. And of course I teach them, you know, some higher level digital marketing strategies like um, funnels and that kind of thing, but it's all related to that same kind of messaging piece. So yeah, I mean, you have to know who you are and what you stand for, who you serve and how you help them transform, get that message out into the world and be consistent about it. I mean, that alone is more than what 99% of business owners are going to do. I agree. That messaging piece is absolutely essential. And it's, I think it's behind what people have a lot of difficulty with. I mean, even from starting from the so-called elevator pitch, if you don't Mm -hmm. know what your message is, you can't come up with a good elevator pitch. So it's, um, Mm -hmm. it starts as small as that and goes all the way up. So absolutely, it's great to Mm -hmm. highlight that. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for everything you've shared. I, I love the diversity of your business, all the way from authentic marketing and, and business coaching, consulting to this whole realm of cryptocurrency. Um, I think I've certainly learned a lot. I know our, my, our listeners will have as well. And uh, I love that you, your overall purpose in all of this is connection, really helping people connect. And uh, it's really coming through very strongly when you talk about what uh, what you did today. So thank you for joining me to talk about all of that. Yeah, for sure. Can I leave us with a, a quote that kind of emphasizes what you just said? Yeah, please do. So my favorite person in the crypto space, I mentioned him already, Andreas Antonopoulos. I think this is one of the best quotes of his and anybody's. It says, Bitcoin is not about shopping in the first world. It's about everything else, everywhere else. And that's mm. why this matters. Mm. That's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. love that. Well, is there, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So as I was explaining to you, I have all these businesses all over the place, but really my central hub for my businesses is my face, my personal Facebook page. So, um, it's Nicole Spencer. You can look me up. Um, and I do have a Facebook page for Asheville crypto consulting and one for authentic conversion as well. Um, and I do have AshevilleCryptoConsulting.com, but as I was telling you, it's pretty ugly and needs a little bit of work, but <laughs> okay. you can go there as well. <laughs> okay, great. Super. Well, thanks again, Nicole. And I so appreciate the work you're doing in the world. So thank you for all of that. Thank you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.